I think if we're honest with each other, we're all caught short from Jesus' comment to his disciples, can you not pray for an hour? We're doing good if we can get five minutes, right? We'll help you with that next. Every once in a while, you run across somebody who has a prayer life that extends beyond our normal five minutes of shoot to the ceiling and hope for the best prayer, right? Well, today, here on Truth For Today, we continue with our series called Doing the Impossible Through Prayer. And we want to begin a little mini-series within this series called Prayer Without Ceasing. We would invite you to join us today if you struggle in this area of how long to pray, We've got some help for you. How to pray without ceasing and how to do it with ease. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast. First Thessalonians, I just want to speak on a verse today and try to illustrate it in Scripture. I just read verse 16 with 17. Rejoice always. And I want to say to the Lord, you've got to be kidding. And he says, I'm not. And pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What in the world are you talking about? Uh, Do I ever get to talk to my wife? Yeah. The idea is let prayer be you're on the phone and you never hang up. Doesn't mean you're always talking. It's incessant, persistent prayer. That prayer is to be the spiritual breathing of the believer. That it's just a way of life for a Christian. That it's like inhale, exhale. None of us pray as much as we ought to pray. None of us pray as much as we think we should pray. Even to, You can always remain guilty about prayer. I don't pray enough. And that's probably true. But I think some of you have been holding your breath too long. You should breathe a little bit more. And so we all need help in prayer. Uh, Jesus gave two parables in Luke. Luke 11, Luke 18, that are different than all the other parables in this way. Every parable that brings God and wants to tell a story about God in the parables is always a comparison, a comparison to God. God is light. God is light. But in Luke 11 and Luke 18, there are two parables of contrast. God is not like the characters in the story. Now, look at uh, Luke 11. I don't want to settle down in these passages. I just want you to see the flow and what Jesus is saying. In in Luke 11, the the, uh, disciples heard Jesus praying, and they said, Wow, we need to learn how to pray. So Christ rolls out the content of what our praying ought to be. I don't believe this is a Lutheran liturgical, we got to recite this every service or every day. No, it's the content that ought to make up prayer. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread 
and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Okay, here's the content. Start out with acknowledging and treating God as holy. Ask God to meet your needs. Uh, Ask God to lead you and protect you, whatever. Then he goes on to tell a story about, it's the parable of the reluctant friend. A, a man has a guest come by his house, and he's not prepared for them. And so, at, he notice the story, which of you, if you had a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And will he, he will answer him from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. The idea, when it was in the colder months, the whole family slept together. They didn't have electric blankets. And they didn't have thermostats. Okay? So they would all get in the bed together. The locking system in a uh, Palestinian home, many times, three or four locks, you know, to secure the house. We're all in bed. The children are in bed with us. It's midnight. It's cold. It's inconvenient. Go away. Go away. I know I'm your buddy, but I'm only your buddy at noon. Not at midnight. Don't bother. And they said, watch. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence. Now, that, that doesn't, that word, this is, I'm doing ESV. Uh, th- that's kind of an impudent person. We, that, that's a negative connotation. The word is really because of his persistence, but the literal meaning of the word, because of his shamelessness. I'm not ashamed to be knocking on your door at midnight because oriental custom demands I feed a guest and I have no food, so I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to not feed my guests. I am not ashamed to just... I know it's inconvenient. Get out of bed. It's inconvenient. Get out of bed. Jesus said, this is the way I want you to pray. But God's never in bed, is he? God never goes to sleep. God's more than a friend. He's a father. And then he goes on and says, I want you to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Some say, well, I thought Jesus said don't use vain repetition. That's the key. Vain repetition you don't use in prayer. You don't do prayer beads. You don't do mantras. You can keep on asking, but don't use vain words and think that many words persuade God. By the way, prayer never persuades God. Answered prayer was purchased for you at the cross. It's one of the believer's benefits of being saved. Christ has already bought you the answers. So you're not trying to persuade God. You're coming in cashing in on God. You said you'd hear me if I call. You told me to come even if it's midnight. I'm shameless. I'm coming. And then he says, hey, if an evil dad, just a sinner, can give good gifts to his children, 
How much more would your father give good gifts? Show up. Don't be ashamed. Keep knocking. Look at Luke 18. Luke 18. He tells about a persistent widow who needs justice, and she goes before a judge that neither fears God nor cares about people. He doesn't love God, and he doesn't love people. She doesn't have a chance. I mean, he doesn't want to be bothered. And watch what he says here. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. You wonder how he ever became a judge. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, this woman is driving me batty. This widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Do you hear Jesus telling this story? Wow. Keep coming. Keep, you can get justice if you keep bugging him. He's an unprincipled man. He cared two cents about you. But if you keep showing up, you're going to wear him down. Get out of my court. I'm sick of you. And every man married to a wonderful woman could almost understand this. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him once? Uh, Sound like more than once, doesn't it? Then will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You look at the life of Christ. I mentioned and I wrote down all the praying times in his life. He, He was constantly coming up missing. He'd go out in the wilderness. He'd be gone in the morning. He'd be praying at midnight. Where is he? Where is he? Matthew 14, he went up to the mountain to pray. Matthew 26, he's on the Mount of Olives. He's on the mountain in Mark 6.45. He's in Gethsemane in chapter 14. He goes to the wilderness, Luke 5.16, to pray. Praying, praying. Constantly praying, getting away, spend the night in prayer, get up early to pray. Come on, you're Jesus. You're God in flesh. You don't need to pray. Yes, I do. Because people in the flesh need to rely on the Father for everything. And he never had to go to the Father to confess his sin. That ought to keep you active in prayer. Just confessing our attitudes. Always praying. And then you find that description of him in Gethsemane. Did you know it? In all of Christ's miracles, raising the dead, feeding the multitudes, walking on the water, casting demons out of a maniac in Gadara, uh, healing lepers, healing the woman that was bleeding for years. You never read of any place where he was exerted, where it was draining, where he was exhausted, 
But Hebrews says, along with Mark, when he entered into prayer in Gethsemane, he was wrung out. The perspiration broke out on him. So that Luke said it appeared as blood. It might have been. But he was under excruciating, agonizing. He prayed so long that disciples kept going to sleep. It was not a short, uh, Jesus help me, short prayer meeting. Some of you can't imagine praying an hour. Jesus prayed. And he said in Hebrews, he cried loud. You read it, Hebrews 5. He cried loud, and he came as a supplicant. And the word there is, it was a uh, Hebrew word, and rather a Greek word, that meant to bring an olive branch wrapped in wool, which was the approach signal of a supplicant. I need something. I need something. In the days of his flesh, he entered into Gethsemane and began to cry loud, take this cup from me, take this cup from me. It's killing me what I'm facing. I don't want the cross. And he was more afraid that he'd be abandoned once he died. And he said that in Psalm 16. I don't want to rot in the grave. And he cried out. He cried out. Some of the most agonizing experiences in your life would be your prayer time. Where you may be agonizing over a child, over an issue. My son-in-law often tells me, when his single mother, he said she would go in the bedroom, Dad, and she'd have to take a towel. She cried and wailed so much, God, help me to raise this boy. God, help me to raise this boy. Now, we don't always pray like that. Those are occasions. Most of us have never prayed that way. But prayer is to be a perpetual way of life that we never sign off. We never sign off. We're always engaged. And I thought to maybe help motivate you, uh, we kind of have this in the hour that changes the, the world, and we, we try to pray that somewhat last Sunday night uh, in that little book, uh, The Hour That Changes the World. I think we still have some more. It has a chart how you could spend an hour every day in the presence of God. Let's go through these 10. I will only get... Probably, if I get through four, we'll do good. You won't, will you come back next Sunday if I have to finish it? Thank you. I'm, going to look, I'm counting on you. <laughs> um, why? It seems we should be praying at all times. Number one, we desire the glory of God. Notice the first thing you say in prayer. I want, I want, I want. No, our Father. And notice he says our. Get over your me Christianity. We're a flock. You don't have an exclusive hold on God. You're in the family. And you ought to be praying about our. Our brothers and sisters. Say our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed. And, and that be, and that hallowed means to treat us holy. And he is that, but he said, I want it to be in me. Hallowed be your name in me. I want to treat you hallowed. Thy kingdom come. 
Not your company come. Not your marriage come. Not your want list come. God's kingdom. God's interest. God's church. God's priorities. If you want God's provision, you've got to get his priorities. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then he'll add this. God's tired of your dog, your cat, and your kids being ahead of him. He's not a heavenly Santa Claus to meet your wondering desire. He's a sovereign king, a sovereign God. Don't try to use him. First of all, treat him as holy. Treat him as holy. Always holy. That's God. For you to even have the right to just bop into his presence and not go through a priest and to go to him without killing the sacrifice, without killing the life, just to show up anytime you want. Oh, treat him holy. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Is God's kingdom interest the first thing you pray about daily? Do you in the morning say, Lord, the most important thing that can happen this day in my life is for me to do your will? I want to do your will today. What do you want me to do? Do you ever pray that way? Or is it my will? My way? My kids, my money, my, 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 my. You've got to start with God. You say, ooh, that's why I don't have a prayer life, because God's not in my life. Well, you're obviously not a saved person yet. But when you become a Christian and a child of God, you're interested in your Father's glory. Two, we ought to desire fellowship with God. Uh, I just, let me read Psalm 42, 1, 2. I'll read several verses. 63, 1. Listen to them. See if this describes you. As a deer pants. For flowing streams. Hot. Desert, maybe chased, maybe harried, maybe predators on its trail, pants <sighs> for water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 63, 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalms 84, 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Do you ever pant to be with him for his presence? Sweet hour of prayer, the old song goes. 
how my soul has often flown to other worlds in just the sweet hour of prayer. If you're not praying, you're missing a feast of getting into God's presence. The big issue is if you eat cotton candy all day, you won't want dinner at night. My dad loved sweets, but he forbid us kids to eat anything sweet on the table until we ate the main course. Because he said sweets would destroy your appetite for what's good for you. You don't eat all that sugar. And he, he was always, we always had to have a dessert. And if we had no dessert, he'd pour sarga molasses on a piece of white bread. My father would never eat cornbread. It was forbidden because he grew up on greased cornbread gravy during the Depression. No corn to be served in my house. White flour. And put that sarga molasses. Yuck. But it was sweet. That's all it was to him. He didn't want something sweet. You know, when you're born 1908 and live through a depression in the Midwest, just something sweet. Because he's the oldest of 10 kids, and none of the kids could eat with his father. And if there's anything sweet, John Howard ate it. Then my grandmother brought the 10 kids in. That's the way it was raised. And John Howard, we eat everything that's good, and whatever's left, the kids got. So my father fled at 14. That's why so many of our kids have turned out to be brats. They've never seen hard times. They just don't know. But do you long for the real thing? Aren't you sick of watching TV? Aren't you sick of just being entertained? Aren't you sick? Just do it to me. Do it. This picture is, I'm bad for you. I, I long to get in your presence. I would actually make the effort. You remember when Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet? You know what? That's your part. Would you go into the closet? Do you have a closet in your house you pray in? A room is the idea. Don't get in there and they hear you kicking and screaming because you get lost in the closet. A room, a room, a private place where I seek God's face. Let me ask you, when's the last time you sought his face? When's the last time you panted for him? Tell the truth. Not panting for him to answer another one of your cheap requests, but you panted for him. And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, 
Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. And again, even if it's a simple thank you for the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. It's always a delight knowing that these programs are being used by the Lord for your growth in Christ. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. As you stop by, don't forget to drop us an email and take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth in Christ. Again, it's all there at truthfortodayradio.org. And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. As you contact us, would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us financially? We're able to continue the radio ministry through your generous financial support. And whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly donation, no size is too small or too great. We'd love to hear from you and know that you are partnering with us for the furtherance of the gospel. So contact us today at 855-833-9864 or stop by truthfortodayradio.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard 